Welcome to Generation Digital Workforce, the podcast that's here to explore the role of robotic process automation and other digital technologies. Whether you're just getting started or you're looking for advanced strategies and tactics, if you're curious about where human and digital workers are coming together to transform the future of work, then this podcast is for you. All right, let's get into the show. Hello, everyone. I'm Brad Hairston with Blue Prism. Today on the Generation Digital Workforce podcast, I will be interviewing Eric Maloney, my colleague on the Blue Prism advisory team. We're going to discuss Eric's point of view on the onset of Industrial Revolution 5.0. The discussion is going to be a little high level as we want to use this opportunity to introduce 5.0 and set the stage for future podcasts and white papers on this topic that will include contributions from others at Blue Prism as well as elsewhere in our ecosystem. Eric, thank you uh, for taking the time to do this today. Oh, thank you, Brad. I appreciate it. So why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself for those that don't know you and talk about your role at Blue Prism. Well, thank you. So I am, uh, as you said, on your team. My role is as the strategist for the advisory partners that we have. What is the art of the possible? What does the future of work look like? How do we translate that into outcome planning for our customers? How do we see their work uh, challenges as the new solutions for a digital workforce? And that's kind of led me onto a path of looking at what's coming next on the meta of industrial revolution or technical revolution 5.0. Very good. So Eric, let's start by answering the question why is it important to bring por- bring forward this point of view on Industrial Revolution 5.0 at this time? Well, it's a good question because uh, it's been something on people's minds. Uh, we see the, the, sh- the uh, windows between each Industrial Revolution shrinking. Uh, this was something that was going to happen at some point, but because of COVID-19, uh, I think uh, it was said by Deloitte and maybe some other global uh, integrators that they've seen more innovation in the last uh, three, three months uh, than they had in the previous three years uh, about how technology, artificial intelligence and automation are being considered and adopted by enterprises around the world. So it's really forced people to think of new ways of integrating technology. And I think that is making this conversation uh, prescient at this point, at this time. You know, how does it all orchestrate together? How does it all make sense? And I really think that if you look at the first four industrial revolutions, all the pieces are there, but you needed this fifth revolution to, to put all the pieces in, in motion uh, synchronously. Okay. So let's also get something straight. Is it industrial revolution or is it, industrial slash technological revolution you hear you hear both terms used what would you uh what would you like to use uh as we get started or maybe you can distinguish the two well i'll just default to industrial revolution but i really think the terms are synonymous if you really look back over each of the industrial revolutions it's keyed off a set of technologies and or the deployment of those technologies so if I can give a, a brief history of, of uh, technology in each one of these phases, you'll see what I mean. So let's just for shorthand call it Industrial Revolution 5.0. Okay, fair enough. So let's let's go ahead and do a little history lesson. You're a PhD in history, so it's a fair question <laughs> to ask you. Um, mo- most people 
would agree that there have been four, you know, major industrial revolutions uh, to date, although obviously there's differences in the way people name them or describe them. Uh, but can you give us uh, a refresher on the four? Sure. I like to put them in very simple, single terms. The first industrial revolution was all about energy. Really, it was harnessing uh, water power and soon after steam power for automating manufacturing. So now that you had water power, you could drive looms for manufacturing cloth. Once you had steam, you could uh, accelerate that process of manufacturing and then add uh, new revolutions in, in transportation. So really the first industrial revolution is all about energy. The second industrial revolution is infrastructure and think of it as at scale. So instead of having the, the looms in Lowell Mass off a small set of canals, uh, you could now think of ways of setting up a power grid. So you could uh, provide electricity to uh, all of say Massachusetts or the US and now you had the power grid you could also think of infrastructure of transportation. It's no longer being near a convenient port. It's building roads uh, and, and, and canals and, and other means of, of providing access to resources and markets. So there was this infrastructure revolution, which is uh, 2.0. That was followed by the information revolution. And, and I, I forgot a little part of the, of the definition. The energy revolution really started around 200 years ago. Really, when people started putting uh, things together, there were precursors to it. There, there had been water screws and, and windmills uh, for hundreds of years, but they were for local grist mills or, or, or local levees. When you start looking about the formalization of the use of energy for manufacturing, that's the first industrial revolution starting a couple hundred years ago. About 75 years later, so at the last quarter of, of the 20, uh, 19th century, you had the infrastructure revolution. And that was progressing through with the things I, I just described. What you see now is a shorter window, which is in the mid 20th century, you had the information revolution. Right? And people can associate this with co the computer uh, revolution. How can you now create data and use data for improving manufacturing and the whole ecosystem of distribution and marketing and everything else that goes with uh, commerce? And what's fun is the fourth industrial revolution is the revolution in artificial intelligence. And that is something that's barely 15 years old or a decade old. Uh, and we're thinking we're just starting that revolution. It's actually been maturing quite a bit in a very short period of time. The reason you see this acceleration, the smaller and smaller windows between an, each industrial revolution is they build on and reinvent all of the predecessors. So you're reinventing energy. Uh, it's not just the production of energy, it's the storage. Once you have the killer battery, you're gonna create the killer new car or the new uh, system for uh, providing uh, a just-in-time uh, electrical supply. And if you look at the infrastructure, you're going from simply roads to high-speed rails to telecommunications. And, and you, where you had a radio tower becomes a TV tower, becomes a cell tower. It's always reinventing. Information revolution fed the uh, the AI revolution, but now you're hitting this this I wouldn't call it a wall, but you're hitting this scale issue, which is if you look at the Internet of Things and how it's going to be applied in health and and and, and domestic use, this simple scale of billions of objects 
and there are tens of billions of objects in the Internet of Things. How do you maintain them? How do you organize them? How do you sunset them? Uh, how do you bill for them? That's where you're going to need the fifth industrial revolution. And that's all about autonomous automation because humans cannot scale to manage the sophisticated energy supply and, and manipulation and infrastructure and its maintenance and scaling or the information that's being produced because we have an irony now the more information you produce the more metadata associated with it the more information to manage and of course garbage in garbage out if you don't understand how you're going to have automation help you ingest information or act on information through an ai service then that ai service won't have much value and it really won't scale so I think the fifth industrial revolution is not simply a culmination, but it's an answer to the progression of the previous revolutions. Okay. So Eric, can you speak to the uh, just the progression um, across the different industrial revolutions, including the current one, um, with regard to automation? So how how has automation played a role, and and can you just kind of talk about what's been common, you know, across the, uh, the revolutions on that aspect. Sure. So and it helps with the definition of all the industrial revolutions that pre-industrial revolution work was based on muscle, human muscle, horse, oxen, another beast of burden. When you start looking at that first example I gave of maybe a, a clothing loom and it's being pushed uh, by a, a water wheel and that allows for work to be happening in an automated and predictable and repeatable fashion. Although it's all mechanical, that's that first step that humans are going to benefit from the automation of a manufacturing process. And that automation becomes much more useful when you allow for the specialization of automation. So when you hit the second industrial revolution of infrastructure, instead of producing things for your town or your region, or they can scale to being distributed from your local port, you can now think on a regional, national global level of markets and supply. When you hit that third industrial revolution of data, now you can make predictive or intelligent choices about what you're going to do with your automation, where you're going to apply your resources, what markets you want to define and enter into. And of course, the fourth industrial revolution is the ability of creating an intelligence that is self-sustaining. So once you understand your business practices, uh, your your differentiators, you embed them into the processes that your company runs. And to make all of these work, uh, as I used the term earlier, synchronously or seamlessly or at scale, that's where the fifth industrial revolution of, of autonomous automation takes place. It's not to take people out of the mix. It's to insert automation in those areas that would require attention and scaling and a cost-benefit issue of how many eyes, how many hands have to touch something to sustain it reliably. If you can get uh, autonomous automation involved, it frees up people from doing those complex, mundane, error-prone things that have to be done so they can focus on innovative, uh, interpersonal, intuitive things that people are good at. Okay. So um, let, let's talk more. You've, you've defined your point of view on 5.0 um, as autonomous automation. What, what, are, what are some of the current and future drivers for 5.0? I mean, what's, what's really bringing us to the doorstep of this, this new 
uh, industrial revolution, revolution, excuse me. That's okay. So I, I actually mentioned several topics that are all relevant. So let's just go back to this idea of the Internet of Things. Uh, the Internet of Things is not just uh, having a refrigerator that can tell you what's inside and so you can create a, a grocery list or have it send out a, a request to purchase things and have them delivered to your home. Is that conceivable? It's actually taking place today. We're all familiar with the idea of autonomous vehicles. Now you're going to have physical vehicles driving themselves. Uh, you might own a vehicle that you use to get to work and then lease out that vehicle to do uh, pickups and drop-offs during the day in an Uber-type model. Uh, and it'll return to your office at the end of the day for you to uh, go home. These are all things that are going to require autonomous automation to allow these things to happen to scale. Because it's not just your car, it's going to be millions of cars. And it's not just one refrigerator, it's tens of millions of refrigerators. And if you get into the health sciences space where you're going to start having more distance health work, which we covered in COVID-19, you're going to have more at-home care. You're going to have more sensors and, and, and monitors uh, with, with people of all, all ages, uh, the aging of America and other cultures around the world. You're going to have more ability to see uh, the precursors of a, a health event. Well, how are you going to reliably monitor at such a nuanced level all of those uh, inputs in a reliable way, uh, in a meaningful way, to escalate that information to uh, a healthcare provider or an emergency service. You're going to require autonomous automation. And, and as I said about COVID-19, we're finding out that people in business, uh, business continuity plans or emergency and disaster recovery plans, they were really designed to survive an event a flood, a blackout, um, a hurricane. But the assumption was the BAU would come back pretty quickly. In a matter of days or a week, people would go back to the office. And we're finding out with COVID-19, and it's not just COVID-19, it's not just the next pandemic. It could be drought-driven. It could be uh, conflict-driven in parts of the world. How do you ensure that you have the resiliency for your business to perform those uh basic functions like finance and accounting or HR uh, reporting, day in and day out. And with autonomous automation, you can train, let's call them digital coworkers or digital twins to, to work side by side with people in finance and accounting or HR. So even though they may not be on site, they know that these critical reports that they need to distribute and, and to digest are being generated on a regular basis. So more and more, I think people will need to have these digital coworkers to make sure that supply chains and management structures maintain their integrity and can allow people to pivot more uh, with more agility going forward. The more that you involve digital planning in your workforce and your workflows, uh, the more resilient and the more agile the workflows can be, uh, regardless of what might uh, befall uh, your organization. Okay. So, Eric, uh, is it safe to say that all of the industrial revolutions have a common goal? Can you speak to that? Sure. Um, I may sound naive and I may sound altruistic, but all the industrial revolutions were really designed for the betterment of mankind. In other words, when I talked about automation, it's not for its own sake. It's for the sake of providing increasingly higher quality uh higher, uh, uh, more available, uh, more affordable, um, not just um, 
products, products and services uh, to the masses, to, to society. So it, it's it's good for capitalism. It's good for business because as you see each industrial revolution, everyone is no longer relying on cottage industries. The quality of the food that's produced locally, the quality of the of the of the clothing or other cons, uh, consumer goods. Uh, locally, the availability of durable goods, uh, the concept that you could now have a completely different quality of life because you can have washers and dryers hooked up to a power grid that will improve your domestic quality of life. And then the information revolution, now you're transforming how people can think and learn. Now you have distance learning and all the things that come with that technology. So each industrial revolution is really designed with a goal of bettering society. Now, there are exceptions. There will be supply side examples, demand economies, but they're not sustainable. I think one of the other things about the Industrial Revolution model is I see them is each it has to be sustainable. Uh, each is reinvented each time it progresses through the adoption or integration of an additional industrial technological advancement. So those are the general rules. If, if it has social value, if it is designed to scale in a sustainable way, and it can integrate across the technologies that exist and improve or enhance them, or at least interoperate with them, I think those are the definitions that I use to define industrial revolutions. Beautiful. So where do we go from here, Mr. Maloney? Well, as I said at the beginning, uh, the conversations I have with enterprises, with advisories and uh, other partners here that we have, is really what are the outcomes that you need to plan for? Everyone's always talking about features and functions and tactical requirements and integration. Yes, when the rubber hits the road, those are important. But what's the North Star? What, what's the why for the journey you're going to go on for producing something? If you understand that autonomous automation enables things in a way that couldn't be managed prior, you can dust off some use cases that maybe you didn't build because operationally it didn't scale. You, you would have too many, as I said before, too many eyes, too many hands on the process. Now you'll find a way of creating new products, new market niches, uh, new efficiencies that allow businesses to transform. I really think that we've been talking about digital transformation for many, many years. And people have been associating that with silica. Okay, let's get digital. Let's just get more computers involved. Well, that's back to the data and the AI aspects of it. But you really need to orchestrate. I use that word a lot. How do you make the full value of your AI service? Think of AI as a good example, or machine learning as a disembodied brain. As smart as it might be, unless you can carry out tasks related to the insights from that AI service, there's really no demonstrable value. The same problem with how do you get that brain, uh, <laughs> the nutrition it needs, the data it needs, useful data. That information has to be fetched, it has to be uh, formatted, it has to be fed into an AI engine. So autonomous automation can help with that as well. So I just see that where we go from here is we're so outcome or solutions based, but we're truly enabled in a way that we weren't before. If you look at the uh, problem set in a holistic way, you now have a, a much more rich palette uh, of technologies and maximizing those technologies to create future solutions. Very good. So, Eric, thank you for taking some time here to introduce Industrial Revolution 5.0, Autonomous Automation. We look forward to more discussion 
uh, more collaboration, more white papers and such on this topic. Um, but we'll bring this to a close and uh, appreciate your time as always. Well, thank you, Brad. Pleasure. Take care. You've been listening to Generation Digital Workforce. If you want to hear more about RPA, AI, and other cognitive technologies that are shaping the future of work, join us next time as we continue to go deeper on these topics with industry innovators and experts. To make sure you never miss a future episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. And if you've liked what you heard today, please leave us a review. It's one of the best ways to help more people find valuable content. For show notes and more info, visit us at blueprism.com slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.